This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. Good to see you. Good to have you with us. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers, all you men who are being fathers to others, all you women who are being fathers if you have to. We appreciate you. We love you. We, I, I have a special place in my heart for fathers. Uh, I, I, I think fatherhood is, is one of the greatest blessings that the Lord could ever pour out on any, on any human male on the planet. And, and I, I just appreciate all the fathers that have been in my life. As I've shared my story many times, my biological father died the day after my first birthday. I never knew him. I never knew much about him. But I had two, two great stepfathers who have loved me and cared for me um, when I was younger and, and even now. And, and I'm thankful for men in my life that have been fathers to me. Uh, I, I'm thankful to, to Gary Jenkins, who has been a father figure to me since we came to this church day one. He and Marguerite have been, have been invaluable in our lives, and, and I've appreciated them so much and, and the impact that they've had on our lives and our families' lives, our boys' lives, and, and uh, it's just it's a powerful thing. So I want to, I want to just honor, honor fathers for that. Today I want to talk to you. Uh, we got in this series called Fan the Flame, and I just don't seem to be able to get out of it. I don't want to. I don't even want to get out of it. I'm not going to act like I want to. Um, but because it, this, this series is all about the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we're in part seven of the series right now, and every, each part that we've gone through, uh, through this series so far has just, has just, I mean, it's doing what it's meant to do. It's fanning my flame. Come on. I, I feel like I'm burning brighter today than I was it's seven weeks ago when we started this thing. And, and I, feel like, I, feel, I feel like God is, is, is calling His church, not just this church, but all churches around the world, all of Christianity, all of the kingdom around the world. He is calling us back to this, to this thing that, that, that changed everything. To this event called Pentecost in the Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came, Jesus told his followers in Acts chapter 1. He says, wait here. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here in this room until you receive the gift that the Father has promised. Because he knew that if we were going to be the church that was really going to glorify him, that was truly going to magnify him, that was truly going to be able to do what he called the church here to do, we were going to need the Holy Spirit. Come on. We were going to need the Holy Spirit. In other words, we could not do it without the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing that I've, uh, that I've been terrified. I, I heard this thing years and years ago uh, that said, you know, a lot of churches around the world, if the Holy Spirit just left their church, they would just show up the next Sunday and not even notice. Like it would be months or years before they would even notice if they ever did because they would just keep doing what they've always done. And, and I, when I heard that, I'm like, no! God forbid that that would ever be. Do not let us be a church that is void of the Spirit. 
Now, what does that look like? It don't look, it, it, it looks like anything. I mean, read your Bible. It looked like something different in every time that we see an instance of the Holy Spirit showing up because God doesn't just have one formula that he makes happen. It's not about acting out or doing a certain thing. It's about being open and willing and listening to the Holy Spirit. But today, I, I want to talk to you about some theology, okay? I, I want to, I I'm going to try to not make this too thick and hard to, hard to dig into, but, but I feel like we have become a little bit unaware of, of who the Holy Spirit really is. And, and today I want to I make sure that we are clear about that. That, that, we have, that we have no questions in our minds about who the Holy Spirit is. Because I think if we know Him, if we know Him, then we will begin to have a relationship in a way that, that it's, it's like the more you get to know someone, the more your, your, your relationship just becomes dynamic, right? It, it just, it, it begins to have more facets. Like there are certain people that you only know at, at a, you know, the, the person you go to a ball game with, or the person you go golfing with, or the person you do such and such, you know, whatever category that is. You only know them in that context. You, know the, you only know them in that way, and you know very little about them anywhere else. Your, your relationship is not very dynamic, right? Your, your relationship is monotone, right? It, it's only one aspect of who that person is. And, and I think sometimes we can fall in the trap of only knowing the Holy Spirit when we come to church on Sunday morning. And the rest of the week, we don't really have any dealings with Him. The rest of the week, we don't really know anything about Him, and, and we don't really understand why He's here. And so uh, today, I, I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about family resemblance. Family resemblance. You see, I, I believe that our DNA, like I... I look a lot like my mom right now if my mom had a beard, right? It, I, I do. I just do. When I look in the mirror, I see my mom. I can see it. I, I, when I look in the mirror, I see my grandfather, right? This DNA was passed on down. And many of you, I mean, it, one of the things about being in a church for, you know, 20 plus years as we have here is you get to see people grow up. And you get to see little kids, uh, you know, be born and grow up and turn into their parents. You don't think you look like your parents? You're going to look like your parents, one way or the other. And, and, and maybe even more importantly is you're going to act like your parents. Like you are going to say things your parents said, and you're going to catch yourself one of these days. And you're going to say something, something's going to fly out of your mouth, and you're going to be like, ooh, that sounded just like my dad. That sounded just like my mom. That sounded, right? And, and because, listen, there's, a D, there's DNA, there's genes in us that, that cause us to reproduce that from which we came. And, and, and we reproduce that. And, and we carry on those traits. We carry on that family resemblance. And, and, and in that family resemblance, there are, there are things that we like about that and there are things that we really wish we hadn't gotten, right? That we wish we could have left back there. But, but like it or not, you're going to carry that on. But when we are regenerated, right? 
generated, when we get regened by the kingdom, when we come into the family of God and we are called, according to 1 John, the sons and daughters of God, we receive new genes, right? And Corinthians says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He's talking about in the spirit. You still look like the same physical body that you once were. But understand this, the operating of this physical body is simply a, a a reflection or, a, or a, um, an object lesson of what's really happening in the eternal spirit. Because what's happening in the spirit is what true reality is. That is what is eternal. That's what's lasting forever. What's happening in the physical realm is very temporary. Amen? Come on. Any of you over 50, how you, you are realizing that your knees are temporary, Right? They're not lasting forever anymore. They're going away. They're, they're losing what they once had. And, you know, all of those things because they are not meant to last forever. But the Spirit, the Spirit is forever. It is eternal. It lasts forever. And when we invest in the Spirit, when we, when we are regenerated in the Spirit, now all of a sudden we have different genes in us. We have different DNA in us. Not DNA that scientists and doctors can see, but DNA that make up the, the, the way that we are put together and we receive an inheritance from the Most High God. The Holy Spirit comes into us and regenerates us. He brings us back to life. We once were dead and now we are born again. Born again with regenerated genes and DNA, okay? Now, I'm, not, I'm speaking spiritually, not scientifically, so don't get too wound up about that. In the Spirit, you once were dead, and now you are alive. Regenerated. Transformed. Resurrected. Into that resurrected life. When we are baptized, the baptism in water gives us a physical representation of what is happening in the Spirit on an eternal level that is never to be taken away. When we are dying to Him, we die to Him, we go to the grave, and we submit ourselves to the grave, and we are buried with Him into Christ, into His death. So that just like the glory of the Father raised Christ from the dead, He raises us up from the dead. And we come up out of that watery grave regenerated so that we can receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells a story in, in, the, in the Gospels about old wineskins. He says old wineskins cannot be you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, it will ferment and it will expand and it will break the wineskin and it will all fall out and the wineskin and the wine will be lost. You must be born again. You must be made new. You must become new wineskin. That new wineskin is is through the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can receive what Christ has done for us, be made new. Our old heart of stone is turned into a heart of flesh. I love that verse in, in Ezekiel where he talks about, where he makes that promise. I will take out that heart of stone. I will give you a heart of flesh. But that heart of flesh is a heart that is reborn. It is a spiritual heart. It is a heart that can now receive the wine of the Holy Spirit, the new wine. Who is the Holy Spirit? 
Who, who, who is that? What does that mean? Right? We have one of the most difficult doctrines in Christianity uh, to, to understand is the doctrine of the Trinity. Because we say we have one God, but wait a minute, you keep talking about three different ones. You keep talking about the Father, and you talk about the Son, and you talk about the Holy Spirit. There are three different ones, but you say that we only have one God. That's right. We only have one God. Right? Some people have used the illustration, well, it's like having an egg. You got the shell, and you got the yolk, and you've got the white stuff in the middle. Whatever that is called. I don't know what it's called. But that's really not the Trinity either. I, 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 actually, it, 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 it could be the Trinity if you took that whole egg and put it in a blender and blend it all up and then pour it out. That's a little closer. Because it, the Trinity cannot be separated. There, there are not three distinct gods or personalities. There are three manifestations that are given to us as human beings so that we can understand a little bit and yet in that understanding we get more confused sometimes because we try to put it into such physical terms and we're not talking physics we're talking spirit and and when we and when we understand that God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit are all one in the same he manifests himself in different ways for us to be able to see, to be able to, to comprehend, to be able to grasp. This is why reading apocalyptic writing in the scripture like the book of Daniel or the book of Roma, Revelation it is so hard to understand because it's not meant to be physical. And when we make it physical, it just becomes misinterpreted. And so I want, to, I want to show you how Jesus talked about this. In, in John chapter 5, Jesus performs a miracle. He, he does this miracle at, at the pool of Bethesda, and he, and he, he tells this, this man who's been laying there for 37 years, and he's crippled, and, and he's laying there on his mat, and, and Jesus comes up to him and says, do you want to be healed? And the man says, oh, he, he, the man doesn't answer the question. It's weird. He, he, he starts telling him all the reasons why he can't be healed. He's like, well, I've been this way all my life. And, and every time that the pool stirs, stirs I, 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 I have nobody to help me get in. He just starts coming up with excuses, right? Because <laughs> sometimes we get way more comfortable with our infirmity than we do with actually receiving the healing that God wants to pour out on your life. And we start to find our identity in it. But, but that's really not the story I want to focus on today. Jesus heals him. And he, and he tells the man, get up, take up your mat and walk. Take up your mat and go away. And, and so he gets up and he takes up his mat and he walks. The problem is, this is on the Sabbath. In a Jewish culture, this is on a Sabbath. And one of the rules on the Sabbath was, you're not allowed to carry your mat when you walk. And so the religious people... <laughs> The, the legalistic people, the people with this religious uh, spirit on them, this legalistic mindset on them, they, 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 they see this man and they're like, hey, wait a minute, what are you doing walking around with your mat? And the guy's like, well, the guy that made me well, the guy that healed me told me to, so I did. 
How many of you know you do whatever the guy that healed you told you to do? <laughs> and so they asked, who, who was that? And he don't even know. He's like, I don't know, because Jesus slipped away before he got to know who he was. And, and so later on, Jesus comes back around, and he, and he meets him, and, and, and then the man goes and tells the religious people, oh, that's the guy that, that did it. And so they come after Jesus for healing on the Sabbath, for doing something miraculous that only God can do, but you're doing it on a day that it's not allowed. <laughs> come on. Church, how religious do we have to be? How legalistic do we have to be to put handcuffs on God on a day that we said, oh, but we come here to worship you, but we can't let you do anything. Come on. Anyway. <laughs> John chapter 5, verse 16 Jesus gives an explanation here. He says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is, also, is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. I love that he put in there, to this very day. And here's why I think he said that. It's because when we get this legalistic religious mindset in our spirit, we start thinking that God has gone away, God has stopped moving, God has stopped working. All we really need is the rule book. As long as we have the rule book, that's all we need to hold on to. That's all we need to do. We don't really even need the power of God anymore as long as we can keep the rules. Are you with me? This destroys Christianity. This is why we don't see the power of God moving like it was in the book of Acts. Because you know what they did in the book of Acts? They threw the rule book out. And they, now I'm not saying we throw the Bible out because here's the thing. The Bible is not the rule book. The Bible is a relationship book. The Bible is not the rule book. It's a relationship book. It is a love letter written to us from our Father, God himself, through the empowering spirit of the Holy Spirit to tell us how much he loved us, how much he cared about us, how much he was willing to do for us, that he was willing to give up his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He did not come to condemn the world but to save the world. He didn't come to say, look at the rules you're breaking. He came to save you. He came to set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. When we understand that, when we get a hold of that, then we can, then we can let go of that legalistic, religious mindset that says, well, but i got to have my way. I get to say my so-so. Right? Come on. No, we give all power and authority to the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what we do. We submit our will to his will, and until his will is made clear, we do nothing. We do nothing. This is one thing Gary taught me a long time ago when I was a green behind. I couldn't even call myself a pastor at the time. I, I'm not sure what they were thinking, but we were here, and I was in, you know, preaching, and, 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 and he taught me. When we're in the elders' meeting, we don't make decisions and we don't do things until every one of us are in agreement 
Because if we're not in agreement, God is not in it. If we're not in agreement, then God is not with us. And if we're not, if we think we have to vote and politic and, and connive and try to, well, let me go talk to this one over there on the other side of the aisle. And let me go, listen, that's just reproducing what the world does. And how good is that working for us down in Washington, D.C.? Come on. Let me, let me go over here and grease the wheels on this one a little bit. Let me go over here and rub the back on this one a little bit. No, 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 no. We are not here to get our way. We are here to do the will of the God. <laughs> we are here to do the will of the Father and only His will. And until His will is clear, we do nothing. We wait. We follow the, the pillar of fire by day. and the, uh, No, we follow the pillar of fire, fire by night and the cloud by day, because we don't want to go anywhere that God is not. Just like Moses told him, he says, God, don't send me anywhere if you're not going with me. Come on. We don't want our way. Are you kidding? We're morons. We don't know what we want. You're going to go out, listen to me, I'm going to prophesy to you, in the next six months, you're going to go out and you're going to pay, pay an obscene amount of money for something that you just can't live without, and six months later, you're going to forget where that thing even is. Amen? Can I get a witness? Because we don't know what we want. Okay, anyway, let's back up here. All right. So in his defense, Jesus said, my father is always at work to this very day. To this very day, our father is always at work, and I too am working. And we are the body of Christ, therefore we too are working on the things the father is working on and doing the will of the father through the power of the father. Are you with me? That's what that, that's the amplified, amplified version. Verse 18 for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him because how dare you mess up our nice little religious spirit. Come on. I'm telling you now that one of the most powerful demons from hell is the religious spirit that gets in the minds and hearts of Christ-following believers and takes them off into la-la land thinking, oh, what about me and what about mine and how am I going to get mine? No, no, no. It is about the will of the Father. Come on. So they tried to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You see, they understood what it meant when Jesus said, I am the son. They knew what he was talking about. There was no, there was no confusion about what he was saying because what, they, what he was basically saying is, listen, when, when you are the son of someone, when, 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 when as a father you have a son, you, you have re reproduced yourself and you're reproducing yourself through them so that your, your legacy carries on, your purpose carries on, your mission carries on, your name carries on because that is true fatherhood. And that's what, and that's what they understood was happening. That Jesus carried and bore a family resemblance to the Father. Verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer very truly. I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. 
Fathers, let me encourage you. Do what your father is doing so that your sons and daughters will do what you are doing. Come on. Because they're going to do it. They're going to repeat what you do. They're going to repeat the example that you set. I've said this many, many times, and I almost always say it on Father's Day. The kind of father that you are to your children is what your children are going to have to overcome to see the father for who he truly is. Let me explain that. If you are a absent never around uninvolved father then when your child thinks about God you know what they're going to think God is he is an absent uninvolved never around guy out there that I have no relationship that I don't know anything about if you are a legalistic uh, no grace uh, only authority rule keeper you know this is your clipboard and your pen keeping the rules checking the block all of that you know and, and down down bam 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 my way the highway that kind of thing then guess what when your children look at god what are they going to see they're going to see the exact same thing we fathers have an incredible opportunity to make the distance between reality and and expectation much smaller are you with me if, if we can, I mean, God shows himself as a gracious, loving, heavenly father who never leaves us nor forsakes us, who never lets us down, who has poured out grace and mercy upon us and forgiveness and calls on us and waits for us and reaches for us and watches for us down the road as we're out on our prodigal journeys and he waits for us to come back and he is by our side every single moment of the day and the moment that we repent and turn around, there he is right there waiting for you, never leaving. That's who he is. Fathers, you can be that. <laughs> you can be that. You can be that for your children. You can live out what God is for your children so that when they look to the Heavenly Father, they don't have to overcome a whole bunch of obstacles. Are you with me? Verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Yes, He will show Him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. Even greater works than these. Does that make you think of another verse in the Bible? <laughs> it's in the same book. It's in John. It's in chapter 14. But it's Jesus... Jumping forward, he's giving us a foreshadowing of what, of what this whole thing is about. Because here, here's, a, here's a point that I want you to get. The, the relationship between the Father and the Son demonstrates our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Are, are you with me? Now remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all one God, all one deity. There is but one God. But he is demonstrating himself in three different ways so that we can understand the function of the Trinity and how he operates because he is not limited the way we are limited. All right, jump to John 14. John 14, verse 10. 
Jesus has revealed himself. He's, he's talking to his disciples and he says, you know, the, he's talking about the Father. And Thomas says, well, show us the Father and that'll be good enough for us. Because he still doesn't get it. And so Jesus breaks it down for him. He says this, don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Remember what he said back in five, in, in chapter 5? He said, I, I only do what the Father tells me. I only do what the Father's doing because it's, it's the Father thinking. Verse 11 says, believe me when I say that I am the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. In other words, he's saying, look at what I'm doing. Only the Father could do this. Look at the miracles. Look at the signs. Look at the wonders. Look at the things that are not hindered by the stuff of this world, but that I can take authority over the demons. I can take authority over the sickness. I can take authority over the storms because I am the Father and the Father is me. And then he says, the same words, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do, remember, even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Because I'm going to the Father. Now this really messed up the disciples, because they're like, wait a minute, where are you going? Why are you leaving? <laughs> but he goes on. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Wait a minute, I thought you were leaving. What? You can ask me of anything I can. All right, Jesus is, is knitting here. He's, he's tying knots together. He's, he's sewing things up. He's saying, listen, in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That word advocate there is the word paraclete or paracletos. It's para, parallel, is where we get that word, to come alongside of, cleat to give you strength, to give you a stable foundation, to walk with you without slipping and sliding. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth is what Jesus designates Him as. The world cannot accept Him because, I, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He lives with you and will be in you. Here's my first point. The Holy Spirit is God with us, in us, now. The Holy Spirit is the Father, is the Son, but is with us and in us now. Okay? Verse 18. That's what Jesus was saying there, if you didn't get that. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. But I thought you said you were leaving. No, no, no. You're not understanding. I'm coming to you. 
Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, the day of Pentecost, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Here's my point. The Holy Spirit is Jesus in us and through us. The Holy Spirit is not some mystical, spooky entity of God over there in the corner that we don't talk about like the weird uncle at family reunions. The Holy Spirit is the manifestation and presence of God the Father with us, of Jesus in us. He says, I will come and I will be in you. And then my last verse, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. And here's the point. The Holy Spirit is how we see and serve Jesus every day. You see, we talk about the Holy Spirit, and, I, and I'm, using the word, I'm using the word the at the beginning of. But the Holy Spirit is not a the, right? There, there was a, we were watching some kind of show the other day, and, and uh, the, the person had a Korean accent, a real thick Korean accent. And he was talking about Jesus, and he, and he said, but the Jesus will, will forgive you. But the Jesus will this or that or the other. And, and I was thinking, I was, that's what it sounds like. When we talk about Holy Spirit with the at the beginning of it, right? He's not a the Holy Spirit. He is Holy Spirit. He is God's Holy Spirit with us. He is the Spirit of God in us and through us so that we can do even greater things than what Jesus did contained in one body on the planet for a certain time with time and space as its limitations. He said, no, it's better that I'm going back to the Father. When I go back to the Father, the Father and I are going to come. We're going to live in you. And it's going to be referred to as the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? It means that when we experience God, we are experiencing the Holy Spirit. That when we experience the Holy Spirit, when we are operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are operating in the power of God. So there is no disconnect. There is no differentiation. There is no separation. God is one, and He is in you, and He is through you. We're going to celebrate communion together, and it's in communion that, that we declare Every week when we celebrate communion together, we are declaring that this triune God, this God who never leaves us nor forsakes us, made everything possible for us so that we could know Him, so that we could love Him, so that we could have this relationship with Him, so that we could be aware of His presence with us. The body that was broken was a temporary physical body that Jesus inhabited so that, so that we could experience what it looked like for God to sacrifice on our behalf. And I invite you to receive the body. The blood that was shed, represented by the juice, 
When Jesus did it, it was represented by the wine. And this wine was the new wine. The Holy Spirit that would be with you and in you and on you and through you. Jesus' presence, never to leave you nor forsake you. And when we receive it, this blood covers our sins. It washes them away and it sets us free and it empowers us to live the new life that we have been saved to live. Would you receive the new one? Would you stand with me? feel a whole different manifestation of the Spirit in the room now than I did an hour ago. It doesn't mean it's a different Spirit. It just means it's God manifesting in a different way. And earlier it was, it was a fighting, conquering, let's go get them. You're more than conquerors to overcome the enemy. But now I feel it is a Father's heart. It is a Father's spirit that just wants to wrap His arms around you. He wants to draw you up close and He wants to say, I know. I know what you're going through. I know the pain. I know the fear. I know every struggle that you're facing because I was there and I endured them all. Because that's what Jesus did. We do not have a high priest that doesn't empathize with us, that doesn't understand what we are up against in this world, but he endured them all, yet was without sin. And the Father's heart draws us closer to him, and he wraps his arms around us, and he says, I, I am with you. You are not alone. I am never going to leave you nor forsake you. I am not going to let you down. Trust me, lean your head in on my chest, take your rest, my burden is easy, my yoke is light, my grace is abundant, and my mercy is never ending, so trust me. Father, we thank you for your presence right now, even in this quiet, soft moment. It is so different. You can manifest yourself in so many different ways. And I just pray right now, I just know by faith right now that you are meeting needs of the people that come here, the people that are watching online right now. You are meeting those needs that they just need the comfort of the Father, the comforter. Comfort those who have lost their earthly fathers. Help them lean into you and know that you are a good, good Father that never leaves us, never forsakes us. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. 
Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.